Welcome to the College Commons Podcast, passionate perspectives from Judaism's leading thinkers, brought to you by the Hebrew Union College Jewish Institute of Religion, America's first Jewish institution of higher learning. My name is Joshua Holo, Dean of HUC's Jack H. Skirball Campus in Los Angeles, and your host. Welcome to this edition of the College Commons Podcast, and we're in for a treat because we're going to meet Lauren Taus, who is a vinyasa yoga teacher with experience and education in ashtanga, meditation, and trauma-sensitive yoga as well. She also earned a master's degree in social work, and she practices as a clinical therapist. She teaches leading innovators in startups, the wellness industry, hedge fund portfolio managers, and even some celebrity clients. She regularly leads transformative wellness adventures around the world from her home base here in Los Angeles. Lauren Taus, it's a real pleasure to have you. Thank you for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. Okay, so I have heard of yoga. I've seen pictures, but I don't know the first thing about it. So the first question I have is from the beginning of your introduction, which is vinyasa yoga. I know that there are schools of yoga, but they don't mean anything to me. Mm -hmm. So what is vinyasa yoga, which appears to be your primary focus? Let's take a, a quick step back. Do you know what the word yoga means? It means yoke, great, discipline. Great, great. So it's a, it's about bringing together. Vinyasa is part of is is one arm in hatha yoga, which is the the physical practice of asana of, of shapes. And shapes meaning shapes your body takes. Correct. So vinyasa is it's a more uh, it's a bigger flow of shapes. It's more like graceful and dynamic, whereas as like traditional hatha is is um, pose freeze, pose freeze. Yeah, exactly. So this is a little bit more um, athletic. It's more um, demanding for me. It's also more age appropriate for where I am in my life. I, I do use yoga as my primary form of exercise. And I also get a whole lot more from it. What was the word uh, that you, you're defining yoga as? Not connecting, but is it connecting? What did you say? Yeah, it's... Joining? It's a practice of, of bringing together. Bringing together. Okay. So for the sake of bringing together, yeah. we'll talk about yoga and Judaism. Because yeah. the word yoga is uh, it's obviously it's it's uh, Indo-European because mm-hmm. I assume it's Sanskrit or something. Mm-hmm. And it, it came to Hebrew. Um, and and uh, the word is zug. And it means a pair or a couple. Mm. Uh, but there's another idea of yoga, uh, I think, which is the idea of the yoke, mm-hmm. like what you put on an ox. Mm-hmm. And in Judaism, uh, there is a very dominant notion of the yoke of the kingdom of heaven, mm. which is a notion that the, the, the rules of Jewish living are a burden. They're a yoke on your shoulders, mm-hmm. but at the same time, they uplift you and they guide mm-hmm. you. And so there's a lot of... Uh, yogis around like yeah <laughs> even in the Jewish world although oh, we yeah. don't use that language so much I, I I sometimes get frustrated because I think that yoga is just exclusively understood from the realm of the physical and there are a lot of very advanced yogis who know nothing of a mat practice who know nothing of down dog or handstand or right. headstand or any of this and I, I just loved hearing you talk about like a Jewish interpretation also of yoga I think like I'm obsessed with Judaism are you Jewish? Um, I am. So were you, were you raised with any Jewish practice in your life or any Jewish cultural I mean, awareness? I call myself a Diet Coke Jew. I was like, you know, I grew up going... <laughs> As opposed to a bagel and lox Jew. As opposed to like a, a Coca-Cola Jew. Like I, I've, oh, what's a Coca-Cola I've, Jew? Okay, I mean, well, 
Oh, I'm getting into Jewish education. Between this is great. these two, between these two, like okay, these terrible terms. No, they're not um, terrible terms. I've never heard. So of from one. a diet, I've studied also a lot of Judaism. Okay. I've spent a lot of time in. Have seven, you heard the term Ol Malchut Shemaim, the yoke of the kingdom of heaven? I have not. Good. All right. Well, now you have a new yoga term. Yay. I have, though, studied quite a lot in seminaries in Jerusalem, and, and I learn all the time. And Jewish wisdom is is always profound and relevant and beautiful. So what's the implication of diet and Diet Coke? Okay, so, so it means like, wow, this is a loaded question. Well, those are the best questions for a podcast. I want to hear it. Give, sure. give me the skinny. Well, again, so having studied quite a lot of like Judaism... I find like so much richness and so much guidance and so much beauty. And I struggle to find community that like really practices in a way that makes sense to me, in a way that's that's inclusive, in a way that works in my world. And so the Diet Coke Jew term means like I grew up going to Hebrew school. It means I went to Israel for the first time for my brother's bar mitzvah. It means that, you know, the Judaism was always part of my world. In fact, growing up in Palos Verdes, I was teased for being Jewish because I wasn't in a Jewish community. And yet, I don't think that my practice of Judaism has ever really been that deeply tapped in to the wealth of wisdom. That's and that's there. the diet and Diet Coke. Yeah. The, the implication that it's it's saccharine and not real. Yeah, like I'm not a practicing Jew. Oh, well, oh, that doesn't mean that. Okay, so, so maybe I'm more generous than you are to yourself. Perhaps. That strikes me as um, too hard on yourself. And also with the practicing Jew, there's a lot of people who are just practicing. Yeah. And there's no then, real, like, kavana. There's no yeah, real right. intention, heart yeah. connection. Right, which is kosher, by the way. In other words, there's an understanding in Jewish civilization that if you participate in the community and you live a certain life, that that's, you don't really necessarily have to delve into the spiritual to be a fully enfranchised participating and recognized Jew there's no I I wouldn't rush to put the diet in diet coke uh, I would I would think about the varieties of cherry coke and mm. uh, vanilla coke yeah and and I, I thank you for that and I think you're right I think I have still on some level work to do around softening and releasing judgment around what is and isn't okay and what counts. Right. And I suspect that you're pretty generous to other people, but maybe not Immensely. so much. Immensely. So, all right. So let's get down to Israel. Before we, everybody, we're going to get to baseball soon. This is important because we're going to talk about Yogi Berra. <laughs> <laughs> but before we get to him, we're going to go to the, uh, the land and the state and the people of Israel because uh, Lauren has her own podcast called The Embodied Life. And it seems as if, um, if I didn't misunderstand your website, you're also doing a trip to Israel, is mm -hmm. that right? All right, so weave these things together for me or for all of us and tell us what's motivating you and what, what are some of the major themes. The podcast is an invitation for everybody to go inside of themselves, to explore their own holy land through their body. I believe that we all have disparate voices internally we have different personalities we have a dominant narrative and border voices we have our own internal terrorists we have our own internal armies we have our own internal peacemakers i'm not in the business of annihilating any one of them i want to sit together i want to conversate so i set out into the holy land to talk to people to talk to everyone you know i'm 
I, I scheduled to talk with someone who is a politician living in Bethlehem who is in the Hamas party. I, I've talked to so many different people, people who've been violent, people who are like deeply committed to peace, people who are very religious, who are religious Christians, Jews, and Muslims. I've recorded 35 conversations with people all over the Holy Land, so that means Israel and Palestine. And I'm releasing them slowly, and I'm also continuing to have conversations with noteworthy individuals whose voices, perspectives, histories, and experiences deserve to be heard. Has something surprised you, uh, some ray of hope or some, something grounding you in these 35 clearly kaleidoscopic, varied uh, interviews? Something that maybe we need to hear that we couldn't hear from a less uh, broadly varied set of voices? Mm. People are hungry for connection. People are hopeful. I've had conversations with people in the border of, 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 you know, Gaza and Egypt who are not carrying guns and are committed to peaceful responses. I've talked to others who've been tortured in Israeli jails and have been nominated for Nobel Peace Prizes for their work afterwards. There are Palestinians who are opening their homes, their arms, their kitchens to Israelis and Israelis who are doing the same with Palestinians. There are people who are very deeply respectful of the traditions of the proverbial other while maintaining the integrity of their own and it's brave work it's really brave work and it's happening I think that it's a land that's rich with with peace already and that that needs to continuously be uplifted and and shared I like that a land that's rich with peace already <clears throat> There's a lot to work with, is what you're saying. Oh yeah, like people are are doing fierce work out there. Yeah, real, real heart-headed, spiritual, religious, like committed people. And and I want to say as well that so much activism here in the United States and in Israel is motivated by fear, guilt, and shame. And when that's the case, it's very limited, and people burn out quickly. It's so important that people stay in their hearts, that they're moved by love, by unconditional love. And now that's very difficult in practice. So it is a practice. And that's why practices like yoga are so important because it brings you back to yourself and you can recharge your batteries so that you can go out into the world and tikkun olam. With integrity to yourself and... and so I encourage you to visit the, the Hebrew Union College in Jerusalem. We have two great programs along the lines of what you're talking about. Uh, the Teacher's Lounge and Healing Hatred. Mm. Uh, amazing programs led by my colleagues uh, about which I'm so proud and with which I'm so proud to be associated uh, that are really, really tackling some of these issues from that place of integrity uh, and uh, stupendous people. Just amazing people doing great work that... Um, I will connect you with if Yay. and when you're ready to, to Yeah, go. I'm back in, in the end of June. And, and healing hatred, I just want to say one thing again. Like, I believe strongly that the personal is 
political and that the personal is universal. And so if there's hatred, if you harbor hatred in your heart for anybody, it means that you harbor hatred inside of your heart for yourself. And we are all like engaged in processes and practices of, of deep self-judgment, whether it's an obsession with looking good, like being enough, smart enough, rich enough, powerful enough, whatever, like, and the not enoughness problem is, is pervasive and it is, to me, a function of our own participation in our own oppression. And that's very common in communities of privilege. So that looks and feels like a heaviness and a slavery inside. And, and while we're doing that to ourselves, it's impossible for it not to spill out onto the bodies and communities of others. Before we return to the podcast, we want to let you know about digital learning on the College Commons platform. Beyond this podcast, which is available to the public at large, check out the online courses at collegecommons.huc.edu for in-depth learning, digital syllabi, assignments, inspiration for teaching, and one of our most influential courses called Making Prayer Real. Subscribe with your synagogue for all this and more. Just click sign up at collegecommons.huc.edu. Oh, and one more thing. Help us out and rate us on iTunes. But whatever you do, do not give us five stars. Unless we deserve it. Now, back to our podcast. Now we're going to do baseball. So this is Dodger Town, and uh, it pains me to talk about the New York Yankees. However, uh, (laughs) Yogi Berra, one of the great, great players in all of baseball history... Uh, catcher from the uh, New York Yankees during one of the great periods of, uh, of their history in the mid, mid-20th century, 50s and 60s, 50s, 40s even. Uh, Yogi Berra it was, I looked this up on Wikipedia, so he was an Italian-American, so Yogi's a strange, even though it's a nickname, it's still a strange nickname, so I looked it up and I wanted to find out if, if his nickname, Yogi, had anything to do with yoga or if it was just something else that happened. And it turns out that according to Wikipedia, I'm citing my source in case it's wrong so that no one blames me, he, one of his teammates or friends actually did call him Yogi because he looked like a Yogi in the Indian sense, in the yoga sense, because apparently when he was waiting, when he was uh, you know in the hole or on deck waiting to go up to bat, he would sit <clears throat> cross-legged and look like a meditating Yogi. Or, or that he had a very expressive, mournful face when he would lose a game or what have you. So Yogi Berra, the great catch of the New York Yankees, is in fact uh, named after a being, uh, reminding someone of a yogi. Now I have a real-life yogi in front of me, so I just want to say that Lawrence House does not look anything like Yogi Berra. But, um, but Yogi Berra, uh, coincidentally, was famous for what we today in English call yogi bearisms or yogiisms, mm-hmm. uh, I don't know if uh, Lauren here is nodding her head. I don't know if you're familiar with this or not. Um, but uh, Yogi Berra um, was famous for his uh, self-contradictory, um, sort of offhand comments that were in fact very deep and wise and paradoxical and thought-provoking. Mm-hmm. So we're going to play a game. We're going to play Yogi Berra with the Yogi. Great. And I'm going to uh, cite three of his famous Yogi Berrisms, and you're going to you're going to do a yoga clinical therapy thing on them and okay. tell me what they mean, all right? Okay. All right, here we go. 90% of baseball is mental. The other half is physical. 
well, you have to, I mean, you have to show up. You have to get yourself there. But the mind is what gets you out of bed at six o'clock in the morning to go work out. The mind is what gets you out of bed to like sit down and meditate. The mind is what gets you to like leave the relationship, start the job, like get married, take the leap, like whatever. Like you have to do it. You know, like 10% is like, okay, I'm there, I'm doing it. But like you have to push yourself out. All right. When you come to a fork in the road, take it. <laughs> Similar. Like, you know what to do. Like, intuition tells you what to do. Uh-huh. You're not, you might not like the answer. In fact, many times you're not going to. But if you abide by the information that you're given, you're, you're likely to have a positive result. And the universe responds quickly. If you do your own thing, you override the intuition, the direction, like, you're probably going to keep making a mess. All right. So if you get to that fork of the road, you just, like, follow it. And it could be left. It could be right. It's all good because you're following your kishkas. Yeah. Your gut. All right. It's deja vu all over again. Mm. So we have a repetition here. Deja vu all over again. The repetition compulsion is real. Intergenerational trauma is real. Repetition compulsion, help me out. That's repeating bad or or unhealthy behaviors? I mean, it could be healthy, but like we are creatures, we're animals that are, that are, want homeostasis we want we want our our patterns we want our habits even if they're terrible and killing us even if they're causing us to kill other people like the discomfort of change is one that will neglect even if the promise is beautiful he said that about end-to-end home runs so he was he was picking up on the beautiful but i get it i get yeah both Right. But it's a choice. But we're creatures of habit, effectively. Yeah. We're, creatures, we're little animals. We want homeostasis. We want the same things. It's how we have language. It's how we know how to walk. But then it goes into how we relate to people. And it's what decisions did we make? What decisions were made before us? How are we living in them? I like to say that if we don't pass it back, we pass it on. What does that mean? So, like, our families, right? Our parents... Most of us had parents that did our did their very best, and they still made some major just like mistakes. Yeah, I'm a parent. I, I, I get it. In Brazil, they say you don't know how to be a child until you've been a parent, and you don't know how to be a parent until you've been a grandparent. Wow. So the human experience is a little bit messy, and however perfect we try to make it, like we we color outside the lines, things happen that we wish didn't happen, and. As individuals, if we don't work through the stuff, and, and that's a, a lifelong process, but if we're not engaged in it, like we're gonna, we're gonna, we're destined to repeat the same mistakes, because that's our homeostasis. I see. So if we if we work through it, we can stand in honor and reverence for what was good, and say, hey, this stuff, we don't need it anymore. Got it. Got it. All right. So now you get a parting shot. Tell okay. us. Uh, well, you can tell me anything as a okay. parting shot, but uh, I don't know something non-yogic, non-Jewish that um, that you find profound inspiration in, or I don't know, or the best thing about yoga or Judaism. What mm. I don't know, knock it out. Wow. Well, we are all driving our proverbial life car, and we get to choose the scenery, and we get to choose who we who we put in the car. And it's both wonderful news and terrible news because, like, you're in charge. And, like, the responsibility is yours. So, like, make it a beautiful ride. Like, 
go somewhere fabulous. Like stand up in your power, turn your lights on, bring dope people along for the journey. Have fun. Like that's what you're here to do. All right, everybody, for the record, I just want to know on my podcast, we heard the term dope people. Yes. Very hip. We don't get very heavy very often. All right. Uh, Lauren Taos, thank you so much for coming. It's really been a pleasure to talk to you. I've had a lot of fun. Learned a lot. Thanks for having me, Josh. Such a pleasure. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of the College Commons Podcast, available wherever you listen to your podcasts or at the College Commons website, collegecommons.huc.edu, where you can also stay tuned for future episodes.